0: Welcome. I'm Paul Denham, your host of the B2B Uncovered show. And my guest today is Stefan Hedibrand. Welcome, Stefan.
1: Thank you, Paul. And uh, pretty well uh, pronounced uh, pronunciation of, uh, of I ha- a Danish name.
0: I've been practicing all evening. <laughs> um, Stefan is the CMO and co-founder of Dream Data, a B2B revenue attribution platform which provides great insights into the B2B customer journey. Now, that is a hot topic, and that's what we're central, really, to our discussion today, how to unlock the B2B Buying Group journeys to drive revenue faster. So let's dive straight in. Stefan, why have customer journeys in B2B gotten so complex? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Good question. Uh, Perhaps they've always been complex but we we just used to like think about it as something that one sales guy do (laughs) or you know (laughs) like that sales guy would be the one hunting for the leads then you know having meetings and meetings flying playing golf going to conferences etc but through like um like digital digitalization, digital maturity, etc. We've started to become more and more aware about if things generate digital touches, then we're also able to measure it. Uh, and then starting out with Google Analytics almost 20 years ago now, at least the consumer journey digitally was relatively easy to understand. Like you click an ad, you arrive at a website, you pay for whatever you bought, and then you can see in your e-commerce workshop, you've sold something. Um, mm-hmm. this more and more b two bs are becoming uh, hungry, ambitious to get, and what they then realize is that oh no, there's there's data all over the place, and uh, some of it is quantifiable, some some of it is less quantifiable, <laughs> and we need to extract it out of all these systems to like stitch together a pattern of what's what's really going on. So I think the complexity has always been there, but we've, we're just now becoming more ambitious, more aware, and more uh, about what we actually want out of, uh, what we actually would like to be able to answer. Like, is it this ad or is it this ad? Is it this piece of content? Is it that sales guy? This conference, etc. Mm. um so i think that but that would be my interlude uh, to this yeah. discussion and then there's all the problems about solving the problem afterwards but i think this, this is what we're seeing people want the same transparency as they do have in e-commerce they want to in, in in b2b go to market nowadays
0: hmm yeah i i suppose what i was thinking i agree with all of that right um I think people want to, uh, uh, if you're marketing and you're you're marketer and you try and understand that journey, you, you're going to want to have as transparent and accurate and clear a picture of that journey as possible. But I suppose, you know, when, when we look at the complexity today, you know, 10 years ago, uh, or even maybe even shorter, were there as many people involved in that buying journey, let's say the buying group per se, as there are today. You know, Gartner's gardeners I don't know if you've seen that sort of uh, depiction of the (laughs) you know it's like a spaghetti. It's great though. You know, I think it's a really good visualization. it you've got a top left start, bottom left purchase, and you in Mm. a ideal world you go, well surely it's pretty much a straight line. Well that's how perhaps marketing has viewed that in the past. Mm. And we know it's not. So there's various tasks that say they, those contacts those buying group members have to do and they do yeah. it in a group basis. And then you've got the various tasks and then you've got, wow, it's like backwards, forwards. Um, I'll have a chat to you, Stefan, we'll get, you know, we'll have a little chat, a bit of, uh, I need to maybe to get some uh, validation from you. We need to gain some consensus or finance, etc. And And so how do you map that? Right. I think there's a recognition now that gosh, this is more complex than perhaps we've been led to believe and that's mm. now being, and you actually have to, have to prove that, because you know, uh, because obviously you're, you're you're talking in in post um, post purchase interviews, but also as you know now with the data. So I suppose, yeah, it's about that. I, I suppose my question was, um, it's complex. Is there a particular reason for that, or is it, and, and, and does the reason also, I suppose, is the fact that it's a there's so much content out there that actually most people are not talking to vendors until very late on in the journey.
1: I think that's a good observation, Paul. And, you know, a little bit of what I said at the beginning, like back in the day, the salesperson would be like the gateway, the uh, infliction point of, mm. of most things. Whereas now you know, with the internet, we're, we as consumers, buyers of things, we're just so used to there being so many resources out there. It could be your conferences, it could be podcasts, it could be, you know, think then review platforms you get ads pushed in front of you etc so i I think it's right paul that one of the complex things is that you know you don't hear about the buying journey before people are starting to like be ready to buy because they've done their uh, their homework before they come to you nowadays
0: exactly and and so so you've got that issue i.e there's a there's the and also let's not let's not Forget about the dark social, where actually mm. no one can track really what's going on there. They might be talking in private Slack groups or or, or community groups like B two B trenches, et cetera, et cetera. But mm. we'll put that aside. I mean, let's let's look at yes, the 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 vendors unlikely to have a, a, a solid idea of what's going until quite further, quite far along into the buying journey. And then yeah. you've got you know the 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 actual. This is a it's not a single buyer, is it? It's a. It's oh, we're, we're looking at. We're looking at an account really, yeah. um, as opposed um, to patch a, a. You know, a signals just from one person. What's What's your thoughts on that? And and how to, how as so, a marketeer come so we solve that? A,
1: we, we have quite strong data on how many stakeholders is involved, uh, at DreamData, both for ourselves and for our customers. So we you know we we integrate with the CRM system and we look at who which accounts have won. And we can count the average amount of stakeholders on the account uh, when people sell. Uh, For us, there's an average of five people uh, on the account at the point of time when we sell. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're on the higher side because we're a product that you can try before you sign a contract. So naturally, you invite your colleagues to to Mm -hmm. check this out before we sign. Um, but I think like you just need to think about B2Bs are buying as a team and as a, as a buying committee always. So you might have a product for the marketer, but the marketer might have you know an IT data guide that he needs approval from. He needs his manager to approve it, and he might also need the CFO to sign the contract or something like that. So that means that the committee of people that you need to to convince, you also need to cater to all of them. So... On your website, you need to have information available that that is valuable for all these people. IT security, like what's the business rationale here? What is the marketing problem we we solve for, and and so forth. So, the fact that things are so complicated, or no, no, uh, there's it's so stakeholder rich means that you also needs to uh, need to adjust your tactics for how to you know succeed with customer journeys to these people.
0: That's a big challenge isn't it? You know, I mean if you if you tick all the boxes of what you've just described for a lot of organizations that is going to be quite a big a big ask with limited resource. Yeah. I mean obviously with the big enterprises you can, they can still mm-hmm. screw it up yeah, Right. Yeah. they just because yeah. they they're just running down the, a, dead, a, dead, a dead you know a dead end. But you know there are a lot of organizations that are doing this really well, and as you said, understanding within a buying group the different personas and the different informational needs that those people have yeah. if you're just talking to one of those that's i e one persona or your content is talking to one persona that's mm. going to leave you tricky because obviously. Let's say it was a, a security person who has an interest in your product because they need to be able to, you know, lift up the bonnet and understand what the risk was or or, or, or how secure it was, et cetera. They need to be able to say, well, bring in, you know, the C-suite um, and, and other user and other lines of business. But but just passing them or or the same story to them is not necessarily going to tick the box that they have to because everybody's got to have some sort of interest in this, and it's yeah. and and it's like a Venn diagram, isn't it? If you took you took you know a typical Venn diagram three circles, where if there were three people in the buying group, they've all mm. got their self interest in why they why this particular service product is going yeah. to be of use to them. But but the where they overlap and you've got that. The, 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 you know, the, where a Venn diagram typically has the common, common area. Your content surely has to be able to resonate and speak to each of those separate entities without over confusing. And, and this was an interesting point, Stephen, that came up recently. Is that actually, I think Gartner brought it up is that over personalization about particular buying, um, personas. Without realizing that actually they need to communicate that to their other personas, ha- can actually slow down the buying buying journey hmm. because I didn't there's see just
1: that two,
0: one. yeah there's because there's basically it's called oh you're just you're just selling the message to that person but you're not realizing how that message has to overlap in the Venn <laughs> diagram to the other person and that's yeah. that is yeah I, I actually did a post on LinkedIn a, a month or so about that and yeah. I found that fascinating. So we've got this complexity. uh... We know it's a, we know it's a, um, we know it's a buying group um, rather than a single individual. Um, How do we unlock the, um, the information on that buying group level to actually drive revenue faster? What do we, we, obviously we've got to have an understanding of, of the informational needs. We've got to know who's in that buying group. But how does a marketeer take all that and go, well, actually, I'm, yeah, this is all fantastic, but I'm now accountable for revenue. I have to be able to show that what we're yeah. doing as marketeers is adding to the bottom line. How does that happen?
1: Yeah, this is pretty much like the uh, problem definition I had in my last job before starting with uh, with DreamDeader. I like the, my opinion about marketing is that you should do it to produce pipeline and revenue for your company. Otherwise, you're just wasting your own time and your company's money. And but the fact is that let's see, 19 out of 20 marketers do not have abilities to write code or you know come up with it, something that is anywhere near a solution to this problem because it's very complex. Mm-hmm. Like the, the benchmarks we put out a couple of months back said that the average journey would be 192 days at 32 sessions and more than two uh, more than two uh, users per account that is one like an average. And hold on, hold on, that's that-
0: interesting. Let let me just drill down into that, Stefan. So, so let, me, let me just get that. So 192 days. Are, are we talking specifically about your? your product service or is this generally in the market that you've you've, this
1: is uh, from uh, it's real data from accounts on our uh, using our product but what we are the the journey we are describing here is is from the first touch on an account until you win it what you typically get if you ask one of your customers or you know people in your network when about what is how long is your customer journey they'll tell you from the point of time that that contact hit the CRM system and then report on how long does it take from they hit the CRM system until you buy. What we're seeing, what we can see in the data is that the unknown time, the research phase, tends to be 1x or 1.5x of the identified time. So given the numbers just related to that, 192 days, then they spend 90 days where you actually know who they are and then 90 days up front of that. Just researching you know, you know getting exposed to ads, reading content, looking at review websites, etc.
0: Wow, okay, so that's really interesting. So you've, you're, what you're saying is that the research element of it can be one to one point five times as long as the normal identified time from the point it normally goes into a CRM. Yes, Wow. And did that surprise uh, that, you or did that surprise you? Or uh,
1: not? It actually surprised me that it was that long across like um, it's it hun- it's hundreds of accounts data. So it's not just like one particular company with a long journey. Yeah. And yeah. I think it, it, this, it this matters immensely for a bunch of reasons. But, you know, first of all, if you want to add more pipeline than an average, it's too late this year, <laughs> though there's still yeah. three and a half months left of the year. So it means when when you're planning your budgets, you actually need to start a lot. You need to plant those seeds a lot earlier than you think for the salespeople to able be able to harvest the revenue from it later on. It also means that when you're trying to understand whether something is, you know, a certain growth activity or marketing activity is good or bad, you cannot draw up the conclusions after you know a month or maybe even two months. Uh, you need to have, at least then you need to have some proxy metrics for what you think will become uh, revenue yeah. later on, uh, and you know this also is like you need to go on an educational path within your company. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our journey is not the time we know from the CRM system; it's twice that, and this means X, Y, C for how we we are we are to go about things.
0: In- yeah, no, got it. In terms of those the, the, that, that number, the 192, um, d- did you also look at the value of the deals? Is there a spectrum in terms of, you know, from 10,000 bucks to whatever? Because that, that, obviously, generally speaking, the lower value is going to is going to be a faster buying journey than yeah. a more expensive, because more people are going to exactly. be involved, there's going to be more ticks and boxes, et cetera, et cetera. Any, yeah. uh, what, any insight onto that?
1: Yeah, so there's uh, first of all, there's not enough data here to be like scientifically like yep. rock solid. Mm-hmm. We could see a different. We did see differences in countries, industries, or for example, entry channels. So, if they came from a review, review platform, uh, they tended to convert to sales a lot faster. Whereas if they came from like social channel, where they've maybe just been exposed from a LinkedIn post and then. They kind of start to pay an interest, but you know they're still far from being ready to buy anything. That channel was a lot longer, so there was definitely different sorts of granularity. But, but yeah, uh, there's not enough data for me to like statistically really sure. <laughs> bang on, bang Okay, up. but I yeah. yeah, totally okay. buy it. That the, the bigger the value, probably also the more research mm. time will will go into. it.
0: Mm. Okay, so all right, so we got so we understand that there's a there's a um or from the data you you're, you're you're able to surmise the 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 pre sort of the research phase where maybe there isn't the transparency in fact, we know there isn't the transparency to the vendor. that's one to one and a half times. How do you actually understand the touch points during that research phase?
1: So I can tell you what we do uh, with our company. Mm-hmm. We're basically, we're building up a, a go-to-market data warehouse for our B2B customers. And what that means is that we're trying to take any touch that touches any account anywhere and put it into the same place. So that would typically be your CRM systems, which have the data of the salespeople's activity. could be a marketing automation platform, a customer success software outreach software uh your ad platform activity your website activity and so forth so, so trying to extract all of all the data out of all the silos that they live within and then you're bit, then you're pretty much just left with one big mess and from there you need to uh, refine it and clean it up so you build uh what we call an account based timeline which means we know these five people from one account they are actually not individuals only. They're actually representing one customer journey, which is the accounts journey. Mm-hmm. This is what makes up all the difference because, like the ad platforms you use today, uh, your Google Analytics, uh, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, Google ads, they're reporting on the behavior of an individual, not an account. And this means that if you start the journey poll and I'm the guy who signs the contract and we spent the marketing money on attracting a poll but not on getting me signed, then what we did with you, we just wasted the money because it never, you know, ended up becoming anything we want. So like aligning people across different people to the same journey, that's what enables us to get that revenue component like e-commerce have that you started here and then you ended here and it was a good or a bad uh, go to market idea.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I like that concept. And I like the ability, I like, I you know, it's quite attractive proposition to be able to understand that through the data from those various sources. I remember looking at something in terms of the attribution model, which we'll, we'll come on to as well. I think you had quite an interesting customer journey graph that I looked at where there were those three personas, but the, the third persona which, who actually you know, did the demo and, and maybe actually um, traditionally would have been associated with the buying decision, you know, they didn't realize actually the other work that had gone in for that third person to get to that point. Mm. That's the problem we're talking about here. It's about identifying at that account level the different personas, different people within that account who are contributing to the final um, action, which traditionally mm. has been, oh, they they went to Google and uh, they stuck in our brand name and they bought and they did a demo and guess what? Bingo! God, that's Google. Yeah. Let's just throw a load more money at Google. where actually, the story misses out the major, the one and a half or even the type of research by different people to get to that point. Yeah. Because what happened was those the the early research that was going on but then came in 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 the office or in the Slack group and said, by the way, did you hear about X, this is it, this is what they can do. And that third person then goes, Yep, yeah, that's yeah. great. That's, let's let's Right. This is what we, this is the sort of promised land. This is this is where we all want to be, and we want that to be crystal clear. Okay, yeah. you know. And if you yeah. if you've got the magic potion to be able to deliver that, then that people are going to listen to that because this is a problem that's got, not going away. Um,
1: yeah, and fact, and the, you know, if, Like if for the examples you've been giving there, Paul. Like if you're looking inside of the CRM system, they typically report on something they call the original source but the original source is only capturing the session when the conversion happens and not all the other sessions that went into research. Right. And this means that they would nine out of 10 times it says direct. When in fact, it's not direct <laughs> people didn't just arrive at your website to, to book a demo or sign up to your product. They went okay. through like a string of research, and then they booked. But the serum systems can't capture this complexity.
0: Yeah, no. That, definitely. that
1: means us as uh, as marketers look like we're just wasting money because the dots are not connected uh, to this point.
0: Yeah. So you talked about thirty two sessions during that one hundred ninety two days. Explain what that set what a session is there.
1: So a session for us means that any. Uh, A session can be a visit to the website. It can be a phone call, a meeting, uh, an email was clicked, etc. So it's basically individual actions along the the customer journey.
0: Okay. So... Okay, so it's different from, let's say, oh, well, we need to have seven, ten, twelve touch points of different pieces of content with a an account, or you know, or some people talking about with an individual in order order to to make a sale. It's a different thing from that, right?
1: Mm, not really. Uh, it's kind of like if you know the journey persisted only of digital touches, like what you described there, then the sessions would be just that. But we are very deliberately including meetings and calls in the equation as well because we're we're not trying to say that you can win B2B deals by generating clicks on an ad (laughs) because it typically takes the work of the salespeople to get the contract signed. So all digital, everything that leaves digital reflections like having a meeting, having a call. I went to this conference and registered in my CRM system. All those touches could be a session as well. Mm.
0: And are you able to map that visually on uh, on a case by case basis to look for, so, to, so, 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 marketeers, salespeople can look back and go, wow, actually, a bit like Gong does with, uh, you know, telephone conversations. Does, does Dream Data allow you to visualize that and understand that, you know, in, in Well, ideally yeah. through some sort of visualization.
1: Yeah. So we, uh, I really like Gong as well, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, so we, from a micro level, you can open the individual journey of every account, and then from a, and then because you have the touches on the individual journeys, you can aggregate that up into different kinds of analysis. You know, how do we produce money? Uh, which kind of the customer segments that are we dealing with? which ad platforms are good at, et cetera. So it, it it starts by collecting the micro journey of one account, and then you can aggregate that up to, you know, different kinds of analysis on top of that.
0: That sounds that sounds very powerful. So how is this, how is, you know, we talk about funnel, or we have traditionally in marketing, you know, the funnel, okay, as if it's yeah. some <laughs> sort of, you know, typical shape, everything, load stuff goes at the top, and then it just narrows down, and out comes the sausage meat, okay, or the sausages. Yeah. How has your um your perspective, your insight, and, and now we're talking about sort of the complexity of B2B buying goods, how has that changed, that whole buying journey changed the you know the traditional perspective of a funnel? And what should marketers be what you know, what are the common mistakes that marketers and, and, and general sales people <laughs> are, are making that actually you know, this is so obvious now we need, we need to make an, make an effort to change this.
1: It's like, obviously I'm no, I'm no God of marketing or like speak the truth, but I, I, I've kind of personally, I've given up on, on the funnel thinking per se, like funnel as there is a perfect path to take people through because (laughs) there's not, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not like in e-commerce, it's a very, the, it's, Scope of touches are very narrowly defined. Clicked an ad, signed up to the newsletter, yep. clicked the newsletter, that bought the shoe. Yep. This does not take place in B two B. It can be like three, three, in three months journey, nine months journey, twelve months journey. Two people involved, three people involved, five people involved. So, the way I think about it is that you need to know how long it takes to make, move through your pipeline and how long it takes from one stage to the next stage. So the way we then uh, reverse engineer our revenue is that we know uh, what a deal is worth. We know Mm -hmm. how many sales qualified leads we need to to generate one deal. We also know how long it takes from being like a sales qualified lead to we win the deal. And we can also take a step back and say, how long does it take from being an MQL to an SQL? And how many MQLs we need to produce one SQL? So the way I'm thinking about a funnel is that I need to constantly be putting uh, enough qualified demand into our pipeline. And then if at least I care enough about the quality of the stuff that I put in, then the likelihood of our salespeople hitting their numbers the next quarter is there. But I don't do any kind of per se funnel thinking this is the perfect journey. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's about catching the right people's attention and then like, just constantly be putting out quality content in front of them. like Because you, you don't know when the timing is right. You only know that it's the right person. So just you just got to keep popping out good stuff on YouTube, on LinkedIn, retargeting, you know, emails, etc.
0: Yeah, no, I'm definitely a big advocate of the... Um... The reality of the situation that if you have a hundred um, potential um, accounts that fit your ideal customer profile, that at any one given time, less than five percent of those are actively buying. In, what, yeah, what you're maybe
1: closer to one than closer to five. You know,
0: there you go. You know, five would yeah. be would be Christmas. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. um so let's work on the basis of somewhere between 99 and 95% are not buying. Um, and a, a good proportion of those will never buy from your organization for whatever mm-hmm. reason. They might not like you. They may – whatever reason, there's going to be a chunk of that – and, you know, I've looked at some models and they say, well, you take 30% of that 90%. So you're playing with potentially 60%, that hundred mm-hmm. of those 100 ICPs that possibly – at some stage in future, I'm going to buy what you're going to sell. Or what we're mm. selling, and as you said, it's about for me, it's about understanding that concept and setting the systems up so that you have an engine that markets mm. to those. You won't know what the thirty percent is. You're effectively marketing to that ninety-five percent. You just know that yeah. half, a third of it's not going to go, and then continually, well, yeah, you know, something never stop nurturing, never stop educating, yeah. never stop helping never stop you know stop stop selling but never stop educating because those
1: yeah that's a great one paul what's that never stop educating but stop selling all the time yeah
0: you know stop because they don't they don't want that what they want is really good information that's going to help their solve their particular pain point that challenge or educate themselves about that and what will happen Stefan? And what happens is that that 1% at the top is a revolving door. That 1% doesn't mm. stay 1%. There's another 1% from that 90% that's going to move up there. <laughs> so if you're right, and that continually <laughs> happens, if you have that mindset and you actually have the systems in place to not look at this as a quarter by quarter by quarter, we've got to just have this engine that's continually mm. generating brilliant content to the buying group that you've identified in the icp because if you haven't fixed your icp if you haven't drilled that down day one you're going to be just wasting everybody's time yes. right and the chances are your, your career is going to come to a pretty short end in that organization you're going to do the same thing somewhere else right so icp understand buying group great content helpful set up that process and then with something like dream Data, understand and get to understand what is actually going on and how is that B2B buying journey, what, what, how you're unlocking the insights into that buying journey so that you can drive revenue fast. You make better decisions because it's data-driven and it's not just from the point that it goes into the CRM. That makes perfect sense to me.
1: Yeah. I think that, like the single best thing we've done in our company was to, like, that create like an ideal customer profile that everybody in the company understands and respects and acts according to it's not just a marketing exercise. It's about, it's a company wide alignment, uh, method, I would say for us at least. So we in marketing, we, we only try to attract this type of company and this type of persona and the salespeople, they're only allowed to spend their time on the same persona and the product people they whenever they have to decide on what features they build they look at the icp all the requests that have come in is is this going to fit our icp because then all of the sudden all of the employees start to pull in the same direction instead of having their own kind of sub projects here and there you should be able to wake up at night and say what I'm doing is still aligning towards the ideal customer profile that everybody in the company has agreed upon.
0: I think that is absolutely key. If everybody is singing off the same hymn sheet for once of another, another cliche, you know, and that ICP is dead center on that page, and every every action, sales, action, marketing, messaging, blah, 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 is yeah. focused around that. That's the way to go. Now the problem is, Stefan. <laughs> is that it takes a very disciplined approach and leadership to say no to those that don't fit the ICP because they might think oh we could just sell this we'll sell this and we can fill our numbers and just just sell it great you know so what yeah. they've got a heartbeat <laughs> right but you know yeah. and 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 that's very short term because that will come that will come back to bite you on the bottom Right, because that yeah. ICP, that client's not going to be a good client. They could be, a, you end up, you lose the deal. They don't renew. They become bad ambassadors yes. for your brand, etc. Right. So I think, look, everything else that us marketers talk about, that ICP and that adherence, that that yeah. alignment, <laughs> that north star, is all of it. All of it otherwise becomes a slightly, yeah. you know, out of place out of place
1: Sorry. I so much agree and like it can be a, it's, it's painful to like say and go from saying we can kind of sell to everybody to saying no now we can only sell to these because you always have this fear of missing out or was there some potential over here or there or I had this contract I could have the customer to sign but uh, you know, if you at least if you are in a subscription business, then you would know that one of the worst metrics to have <laughs> would be like a, a churn rate <laughs> of customers, because yeah. your investors will go saying people are not happy when they are to, about to renew your product. So, like yeah, it, but yeah. It, like you know, sometimes there's also the practical necessity of you need to fill the bank account. So okay, let's try and sell here and. <laughs> And like, if you don't have any leads at all, sometimes you just have to be practical about it. But the North Star should definitely be in place in terms of the, the ICP. And just one trick uh, related, related to this, we started by defining an anti-ICP. So what is the antithesis to uh, who we want like to that. attract? Because it's, sometimes it's easier to say who it's not rather than who it is. Yep. So by doing that, you kind of you at least you get us like you get a ballpark of of what you're trying to do because it's definitely not those types of uh, of people.
0: Yeah, that's really that's really good. In fact, I think um, full funnel talk a lot about the disqualify qualification criteria are as important huh. as the qualification criteria. Ie, it's much easier to go no, let, work out what you don't want. That's going to help you drill yeah, down. Exactly. what you exactly. I like that. Excellent. Okay, so I'm going to. Couple of quick fire questions here, Stefan. Um, <laughs> Hit me. Who are I don't know three people who've been most influential to you along your career?
1: In my career, so I think uh, I think I did a LinkedIn post uh, a little while back, about, actually about it. But so I have one friend who has been running a, a couple of businesses, and he. He really always says that, you know, it's always about sales, also for marketing, you know, (laughs) just by understanding that it's not the likes, uh, the newsletters, etc. that pays the bills, it's Mm -hmm. sales that pays the salaries of the companies. So if you want to be successful in marketing, uh, it's Bo, by the way, so if you're ever listening to this (laughs) book, thanks for that advice. (laughs) When you have direct impact on selling more, you, you know, marketing is, is successful. You don't get fired. You don't get your budget cut, et cetera. <sighs> what else? Um,
0: that's good advice. Very good advice.
1: <laughs> Basically, then, you know, uh, just sort of, sort of you back know, to basic advice, isn't so,
0: it? So you just got, you just got to keep that in, keep that front of mind with all the other noise that's going on.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, there's always, there's so many, things that have impacted uh, I I actually there's this like very like cheeky Walt Disney quote about if you can dream it you can do it uh, which I've kind of hit me many times like like start dreaming and start describing it what it is you want to achieve and like you know forget about all the limitations here of what you're, you're trying to do just come up what exactly is it that you want to do because once that vision is there your you're like your your practical organized side of your brain starts to figuring out okay i want to go up here but okay what is the path then back to to what we absolutely. what we want to achieve
0: absolutely in fact i heard a, a really good read something the other day which i thought was really apt for pretty much business and in personal life um, yeah. the anxiety was predicting failure and confidence is predicting success and the conversations we had whether that's about the dream of where you want to take your business or in your personal Mm. life these conversations we have which you know tend to be on the oh i can't do this i you know there's a hundred reasons why we can't do that you start talking about what we actually we can do this or we talk about this vision and guess what you'll work out the way to get there that's such a valuable yeah. takeaway there, right?
1: Because that can be applied.
0: I <laughs> have a million in, in, in. more
1: quotes I could give you.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. And I love them because I think, you know, they help They help you sort of realign, right? When you're slightly going mm-hmm. off-piste, let's get back on the piece. Some of these things do help you just, yeah, great. I love them. A lot of value in those. Thanks for that. Okay. Um, what parts of your job do you wish you could spend more time on and what parts do you wish you could do less of?
1: So what I like the... Best is just constantly digging uh, for more growth, running more experiments, trying, testing stuff, see if it works, go back to the engine mm-hmm. room, try more. So, like the practical parts of doing marketing, I really, really love that. Like, here's an idea, let's go try, do it. Let's look at the response. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part. Uh, then, as a I, love the word, I
0: love the word experiments there, Stefan, yeah. because we've got to and treat these as experiments, right?
1: which Anything are going to have some you failures. Need, you need that mindset of, you know, Thomas Edison mindset of, you know, you're going to fail 10,000 times before you get that light bulb to blink. So just be prepared for, you know, constantly test out stuff. A lot of it's not going to work, but when you do find something that works, then like keep building upon that while you run some experiments on the side. Because if, if everything is an experiment, it doesn't hurt. If it doesn't work, you just move on to the next experiment.
0: Totally, totally, and so you've got to also encourage and have that culture in a company where it is okay to fail. You just got yeah. to understand and learn what that experiment is, what you've, what you've, what the takeaways from there, so that you can incrementally improve. Yeah, this is something that in a lot of organisations. It's not there, right? There isn't that. Yeah. It's you get reprimanded if you if you waste what they can perceive as you've wasted that money. You've 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 yeah. you've, you've screwed up. You've you've made a mistake. Mm. That's that's not that's I not agree. healthy. Yeah. Um, is there any question you wish that I had asked you today? Mm.
1: Maybe. Uh, so sort of the kind of. Why do we then need to understand this B2B customer journey? What is the purpose of you know reaching this enlightened state?
0: Okay, Stefan, why do we need to understand this B2B journey <laughs> and reach this enlightened state?
1: Because then we know what works. Wow. And when we know what works as marketers, we can go and repeat it and we can skip the stuff that doesn't work. So if we constantly get rid of the stuff that doesn't work and move more resources into what do work, ads, content, video, whatever, like kind of the normal distribution of our our activities keeps sliding to the right side. So in order to be successful, you need to know what worked in the past so you can do more of what works, what probably works in the future as well.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely 100 percent agree with that and um you know it comes down to um being able to experiment and have the have the processes in place to understand what goes on what went on in that experiment so that you can then make adjustments to that and and make and that's the way you move forward right uh yeah good okay any others No, I think (laughs) that's happy with that. Okay, so signature question, um, which I like to ask: What could marketers do um, to create more trust with buyers?
1: Uh, I would say actually, so generate more reviews, build more social proof. You know, social proof. Mm. Go ask every customer if they want to give a review on the review platform that is relevant to your industry. So in software, it's Captera and G2. Mm-hmm. If you're a local restaurant, maybe it's a Trustpilot or what's it called? The big one, anyway. But, mm-hmm. you know, go ask your customers to submit reviews on the review platforms in your industry. So when somebody's considering whether to buy your product or not, they will write X restaurant review or software plus review and then they can see a hundred other people who tried it out explains how it works and you then they will also trust you that it, signing a contract or buying your product will be a good experience
0: yeah that's great that's a really good answer to that question because social proof is not only critical today but it's going to become even more important in in future yeah because that's where we'd, 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 we'd much rather listen to other people's experience rather than the vendor's claims, okay? So you want to hear mm. it from the horse's mouth, as we say. Excellent. Yeah, Great. Anyone,
1: okay. anyone, Sorry, can, anyone, anyone can build a pretty website and put some fancy letters in there,
0: there you but go. you cannot
1: compete against like 100 or 1,000 positive reviews.
0: Correct, definitely. Okay, so before we wrap up, would you tell um, our listeners where they can find out more about you and how to get in touch?
1: So that would just be LinkedIn. So just Google uh, Google my name on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> right, type, type in my name in Google, and it's probably going to be the LinkedIn profile that's going to be on top. And happy to connect with any listener and answer any questions they might have.
0: That's great. And it's uh, just for listeners. It's Stefan with double F E N and. Uh, H-E-D-E-B-R-A-N-D-T. So, yep, you can go search away in LinkedIn, stroke Google. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you for your time, your insights and sharing uh, your journey. And uh, and thank you to all our listeners. Have a fabulous day. And as we say here, never stop learning. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks again for joining me on B2B Uncovered. If you liked this episode, then please hit the subscribe button. Want to go the full hog? Hey, yeah, I'd love a rating from you. Just tap the number of stars that you'd like to give us. As we're just getting going, that's going to help tremendously. Thank you.